Talk to my friend Drew Lennon. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I look this guy for wisdom. Don't you know, he he was going to show true leadership to these holdouts, these Democrats in the House of Representatives. He was going to show true leadership. He knew this bill, the Build Back Better plan, he knew it like the back of his hand, don't you know? I mean, he could navigate this thing like he could navigate his basement in complete darkness. So he went over there, he goes over there to the Capitol, and he went to tell him, you know, my future depends on this bill, this $1.85 trillion destroy America, social reengineering, climate change, welfare expansion bill. This bill is going to determine my fate, he told him. He told him, I delayed my trip to Europe for this. That's how important this is to me. And he said, you know, look, I was practically born in Washington, D.C. I've been here my entire life. I've never known anything but Washington, D.C. It's about compromise. Nobody ever gets everything they want. I'm not getting everything I want in this bill, including me, including you. You know, compromise. That's what we have to do. And of course, you know, he wanted them to send him the infrastructure bill to his desk so he could sign it. And he tried to assure them, give them the framework of, of the Build Back Better bill plan uh, so that he could sign something, the infrastructure bill, and then move forward. And you know what they told him? They said, pound sand, Mr. President. Pound sand. You know, Bernie said, yeah, that's a great outline, uh, Mr. President. That's a great outline. Great framework, Mr. President, but, uh, well, it's just not radical enough. Now, we got to distinguish something real quick. I I'm really going to get into this, and, you know, there's something else that broke today that's got everyone outraged, and that's this, this insane idea that Joe Biden is going to pay illegal immigrants $450,000 as reparations for the damage Donald Trump did to these these children, separating them for a brief amount of time. And I've got a theory on why that broke today. Because remember, the media works in tandem with the Democrat Party. They're one and the same. They collude. And I have a theory about why this dropped today and what it's really preparing, well, the American people for. There's something to it. There's something to it. But I want to get into this. Before we get into this Build Back Better plan and what's going on in Washington, D.C., trust me, uh, you don't need to go anywhere else. I will explain this to you in terms that are completely comprehensible. I will make this simple, understandable. But forget about the infrastructure bill in one sense. All right? Remember, there are two bills at play, and the radical Marxists, early on, their strategy has been to essentially hold that infrastructure bill hostage. That's, the, I believe, $1.5 trillion bill. That's the roads and bridges, traditional infrastructure, more or less. And then there's the reconciliation bill that is the real radical element. That's the social reengineering, all the climate change garbage, all the universal pre-K, the expansion of of, 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 of Medicare, Medicaid, you know, two years of free community college, all the goodies, all the goodies. Uh, this is the bill, the reconciliation bill and the build back better plan. Those are the same bills. Okay. So infrastructure is done. It's a done deal. Uh, the house and the Senate, they're on the same page with it. Uh, you know, the, the, the house is just 
waiting to send it to Biden's desk to sign. They won't do that until they get the social reengineering bill, which was the $3.5 trillion bill, which is now down to $1.85 trillion, I believe. This is the bill that Manchin and Cinema are holding up. Okay? The House knows what they want. They want all the goodies. And Cinema and Manchin are the ones who are saying, no, I'm not okay with the price. So they get it down to $1.85 trillion. And now they're trying to iron out those details. And so the radical wing, I mean, they're all radicals, but, but the radical radicals in the Democrat Party, well, they're just still saying, look, we're not doing anything with this infrastructure bill that's already ready to go until we get what we want in the social reengineering plan through reconciliation. Now, remember, strategically, the reason they decided to go through reconciliation for the social reengineering is because they only need a simple majority of votes to pass it in the Senate. That means they don't need any Republican participation whatsoever. And no Republican would dare sign on to that bill. So that's why they're going through this process. But the problem is they, they need all 50 Democrat senators to vote on this and send it back to the House for approval. Because remember how this process works, the legislative process. Whether it comes from the Senate or the House first doesn't matter. But the House supports, the House writes up a bill, for example, right? And they're all in agreement on it. Then they have to send it to the Senate. The Senate reads the bill and they make changes. They make their own bill. And then the House and Senate have to make one bill that they all agree on. And so Manchin and Cinema are the ones who are holding this process up. They're the two senators that stand in the way of this reconciliation, build back better, social reengineering bill being passed, okay? But, you know, there we go. We got, we got Biden delaying his trip, going down there like a big tough guy, the president of the United States. He's going to show him how it's done, and they tell him to pound sand. They tell him to pound sand. I mean, Pramila Jayapal, she's a, a Democrat of Washington. She's the chairwoman of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the Marxist Caucus. Well, she said, members of our caucus will not vote for the infrastructure bill without the Build Back Better Act. That's what I'm talking about. They want it all. They want the world. And you know what they said? So he goes in there, and apparently he's mastered the contents of this bill, and he gives them an outline, a framework about what's going to be in it and what's not. And they said, hey, this outline, great, not good enough. Show us the text. So Nancy Pelosi, she provided them the text. So now they've got the text. And remember, you know, Pelosi, this is significant what's happening in the Democrat Party right now. You know, Pelosi, four or five days ago, I think on, on Sunday, on Sunday on Jake Tapper's State of the Union show, she went on there with him and he tried to pin her down a little bit, asking her for an update. You know, he, he said, where, where is this bill? Is it going to pass? Where, where does your caucus, where does, where, where does the House stand on this? Are we getting close to, to a vote? We've been going through this for months now. Where are we? And she basically said, oh, well, we're 90% of the way there. 90% there. Nothing to worry about. We're going to get this uh, on the floor, I think, Thursday. Boom, bada bing, you know, done, done deal. She was lying. She was uncomfortable in the interview. She was dodging. And now we know it's not true. They're not anywhere near 90% there. Um, and, and what's interesting to point out too, I just want to discuss here briefly. You know, it's amazing the way they, the media is framing this whole argument. They, they, they keep talking about how the Democrats are divided, that it's somehow the progressives versus the moderates. Give me a break. There's no moderate left in the Democrat party. Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are not moderates. Okay. They're radicals. And everyone else in the Democrat party is insane. You got the radicals versus the insane. That's really where we are. If anything, the only moderate Democrats are really in the traditional sense are in the Republican party. Mitt Romney, Mitch McConnell, they really are the big government types that represent the Democrat party of old. So that's what we have in the Republican Party, but the Democrat Party, forget it. It's not progressives versus moderates. It's the insane versus the more insane. 
And so anyway, in this interview a week ago, I mean, just to give you an idea of of the infighting that's going on and how frustrated Pelosi is. And I love to see her so frustrated. I love to see her so frustrated. But, you know, she said in this interview, we're almost there. It's just the language of it. We're massaging. You know, we don't want to offend Manchin. You know, and she she says, you know, they call this bipartisan infrastructure bill. This is not the the bill that I'm referring to that's all the, the, the welfare stuff, but they're calling it BIF, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill. And so, you know, she said in that interview on Sunday, the plans to vote for it this week. But what happened? No vote. No vote. Poor Joe Biden. He is uh, off to Europe without any legislative victory. Maybe that's why uh, they won't film him at the Vatican with the Pope. Too much shame. No, I think the real reason is he can't be on TV for that long of a period of time. Uh, it would be too embarrassing to him and this country. So, anyway, this is the transformative bill we're talking about here. I'm just getting my thoughts together because I'm, I'm rearing and I'm ready to go. I've been thinking about this, how to present this. It's a lot to kind of unpack here, but it will make sense. I promise you. Um, so anyway, Jin Saki today, I mean, this just shows you what liars they are. I mean, they are so desperate to pretend like they have some kind of agreement going forward. I mean, Jin Saki even on Thursday earlier, I mean, she seemed confident that this was going to pass. I mean, I, I got a quote here from her in this press conference today and she says, out of the gate. This unprecedented framework was welcomed across the country, including by organized labor, civil rights groups, business, and the climate community, and by every kind of Democrat in Congress. Now, I want to stop there real quick before I continue. Think about this. Out of the gate, this unprecedented framework was welcomed across the country, including all Democrats, all radical kooks. It's not accepted by the American people, by a majority. I mean, every, point, every every group she talks about here are radical kooks. It's not welcomed across the country, but what do you expect from Jen Psaki? You know, she, she would do Goebbels proud. Goebbels would be jealous if he was alive. He'd be studying uh, Jen Psaki's press conferences to learn how to be an even better propagandist. But she goes on in this press conference. She says, legislative text is starting to become public. And the road to passing both critical parts of the president's plan to make our economy deliver for middle class families, not just the wealthy, is clearer than ever. Well, it wasn't clearer than ever. Uh, the road, well, apparently there's still a long way to go. Because, uh, you know, even today, you know, I think Pelosi was, well, was she, I think she was feigning hope. I think she knew all along this wasn't going to happen. But such is her lack of humility her arrogance, her her need to, to be the one in charge. She's so used to being in charge. And now she's got all these radical youngsters like the Talibs and the AOCs who are going in behind closed doors and they're probably have her shaking in her boots, sitting there silently in the room, being beaten down by these young folks who are running circles around her. But, you know, she even said, of course, they were supposed to bring it up for a vote Thursday night. That got scrapped because they're not going to vote for something if they don't have the votes. And it was clear they didn't have the votes. But on Sunday, she acted like they were going to have the votes. But she said, today we were honored by the visit from President Joe Biden, who inspired us with his vision and dazzled us with his thorough knowledge of the specifics of the Build Back Better. That's what I was kind of joking about early on. This is the quotation I think I had in my mind. His, he dazzled us with his thorough knowledge. I am, I'm, can't you imagine Joe Biden going back there? I mean, we've seen him when he's got a teleprompter and he stumbles through it. He can't remember the names of the people that he put in his own administration, but somehow we're supposed to believe he's back there with, with, with AOC and Rashida Tlaib and he's giving them the big, giving those gals the business. And he's just laying out and articulating the, 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 the framework of this bill. I'm sure he was very, very inspirational, wasn't he? He sure does inspire the American people. I'm sure he used that same tactic back there with them. 
that of course resulted in what? Them telling him to pound sand. Um, so as you know by now, Pelosi said the House will postpone the vote on the bipartisan infrastructure bill. The good news, though, she says, is that most members who are not prepared for a yes vote today have expressed their commitment to support the bipartisan infrastructure. Basically, she's saying we got nowhere. I mean, they're committed to supporting the bipartisan infrastructure bill if they get what they want in the social reengineering plan. So now they're delayed until next week, maybe Monday, they might might try and have another go at this, but I I mean they're they've re- taken recess for the weekend. I don't think there's going to be any change between then and now. Uh, I mean, just l- look at some of the things that these Democrats said. I mean, j- again, imagine being Pelosi on Sunday. She's on national television with Jake Tapper, talking about how they're ninety percent there. It looks like a sure thing. Don't worry about it. You know, we're going to get this done. And then look at look at the reality check here, Cory Booker. Uh, she's the one who pretended to sleep homeless outside the Capitol uh, when she was supporting the unconstitutional extension of the uh, eviction moratorium. Well, she said she felt bamboozled because this isn't what she thought was coming today after Biden met with a House Democratic caucus. And so, uh, you know, part of this, by the way, you know, the progressives here, the radicals, they, they, they wanted the Dems to release the 2000 page text detailing the contents of this $1.85 trillion package. Um, and, and so, uh, let's see, stay with me here. I want to give you an idea of what was left out by progressives. Okay. This is what was left out. This is the compromise. Okay. Um, so, so when you think about what House progressives claim to have given up and what the president claims to have given up, well, well, what is it? Two years free community college and they gave up paid family leave. You know, originally with a paid family leave, they wanted, I think it was 12 weeks, three months and Manchin said, no, 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 no. And so they got it down to four weeks and Manchin still said no. So paid family leave is out of this bill. That's got people upset. Uh, and that's due to Manchin's opposition. Um, dental and vision, some of these extensions, uh, expansions of welfare in terms of coverage, that's out as well. And so what the Democrats are saying is they have a first draft. This is where they are. Sunday, Sunday, Thursday, there was going to be a vote. Don't worry about it. We're getting this passed. And now we're being told they have a first draft. That's what this is. It's a first draft. First draft. I mean, Anyway, so it, it, what they want is a Senate guarantee for Manchin and Cinema that they'll support it. Uh, and if Manchin and Cinema will will confirm quietly that they're going to vote for this thing, that it's a done deal, well, then the Democrats, the radical kooks uh, in the House, well, then they will they'll they say they'll send the infrastructure bill to Joe Biden's uh, desk. But here's where my theory comes into play, all right? One, remember that, so the reconciliation bill, do you remember a couple stories? They've come out twice now over the past few months. The Democrats tried to get a pathway to citizenship put in the reconciliation bill, a budget bill, essentially. And so the Senate parliamentarian, uh, Catherine McDonough, I believe is, is, is the gal's name, well, she struck it down. And then they tried to put it in again, and she struck it down again. She said, this can't go in here. Okay? And so the Democrats were frustrated by this. They wanted a pathway to citizenship in this bill. And, you know, you had, like, uh, Ilhan Omar. Ilhan Omar, she was suggesting that they just ignore the Senate parliamentarian's recommendation. Violate the law. Just put it in there anyway. But they don't want to go that far yet. So they got something up else up their sleeve. And I'm going to get to that in just a second, and that's going to explain uh, uh, why I think the story broke today that Joe Biden and his administration want to pay $450,000 each uh, to illegal immigrants. All right. So the 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 um, 
let, let's talk about, let's talk about this, this $450,000 payout. All right. So what are we talking about here? So, so the premise of this is the Biden administration, they're talking about paying out hundreds of millions of dollars to illegal immigrant families, specifically those who were separated at the U.S.-Mexico border under what, what they're calling Trump's uh, zero tolerance immigration policy. That's back in 2018. So this, this zero tolerance policy, this was, look, we had all these cartels bringing in, uh, children. All right. We didn't know if the parents with the children were their parents, if they were, uh, cartel members, if they were just random people paid to bring these kids over and take advantage of it because drugs were being smuggled in, kids were being used to achieve these sinister ends. And, and at the end of the day as well, of course, these people were violating our laws. They were illegally entering America. And so zero tolerance was, you came over here, over here illegally, you've got a kid, well, we're taking the parents and we're going to prosecute you. And the children were temporarily put, you know, in a home or something like that until it got sorted out. But there was immediate outrage to this. I mean, the, the media blew a gasket. They created this, you know, that was one of the... Seminal moments of hatred towards, towards Donald Trump. How can he do this? This is abusive towards these children. Look at the trauma they're suffering. He's separating them from their children. So they nixed the zero tolerance policy pretty quickly. But come on. I mean, look, you know, it resulted in separating families. And I just want to say one thing about this. You know, it's like if your dad commits a crime and goes to jail, well, guess what? You just separated the father from his kid because the father committed a crime. So don't come to this country. It was a deterrent. But of course, that's the real reason the Democrats uh, wanted to get this zero tolerance policy canceled because word was going to get back. Illegal immigration was going to slow because we, we weren't being receptive to the desires of illegal immigrants. We were actually enforcing the laws of our land and putting teeth, creating repercussions for them doing that. So anyway, that didn't even go on that long, but, but what's going on here is the ACLU. So they've identified approximately 5,500 children who were affected by this policy. Now they're claiming these children, of course, they suffered trauma, uh, physical, mental trauma because they were taken from their parents. I remember one story back when this was happening in 2018. I think they quoted some, some woman, some sad illegal immigrant who broke our laws, who said, my daughter's mad at me or my son's mad at me. He doesn't understand. He's blaming me for this. He doesn't understand. He said, why did you abandon me? Such a pathetic spin sob story. So anyway, these illegal immigrant families are being represented by the ACLU and suing uh, for damages, essentially. Um, so why? Here's the question. Why is this story breaking today? That's the question that, that I've been asking, right? The, I mean... Look, even amongst Democrats, paying taxpayer money, $450,000 to each individual illegal immigrant as some kind of damages is not a popular policy, not even with Democrats. So why would they do this? It doesn't make sense, right? I mean, they're already looking at Virginia where Terry McAuliffe is likely, hopefully, fingers crossed, but he, he polled today. And the Republican challenger has pulled ahead. So Terry McAuliffe right now looks like he's going to lose re-election in Virginia for the gubernatorial race. And that's over the critical race theory. Uh, that's over a lot of controversial statements he's made, suggesting that parents shouldn't have any input in their children's education. And all the scandal with Loudoun County and these transgender policies and the rape of young girls by boys in skirts, all of that is contributing to, to this uprising of angry, outraged American citizens who are willing to vote perhaps a Republican into the governorship there in Virginia. So why the heck, why the heck would the Biden administration put out this story and have it be known that they're looking to do something that is undoubtedly not popular? I'll tell you why. It comes back to this reconciliation bill, the Build Back Better plan. This is my theory, and I think I'm going to be proven right on this. 
So the Democrats, remember, they've been forced to abandon this pathway to citizenship in the bill twice. Twice. So what the Democrats are up to is still achieving that in through a different policy proposal in this bill. It's called parole. Parole. What is parole? So this measure in the bill would provide temporary immigration parole, which allows these illegal immigrants to apply for work permits and then for advanced parole. So look, while they're here, look, what this amounts to with the parole, it changes their status from illegal immigrants to legal immigrants. All right. So it is a pathway to citizenship. It doesn't give them a green card automatically like they wanted, but it allows them to change their status here from illegal to legal, known as parole. Now, parole has been used in history. It doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, we used it uh, in, in with the Cuban refugees to settle them here in the 1960s, for example. And so what the Democrats are going to argue, because they still need the Senate parliamentarian to sign off on this, but they're arguing that this new approach, parole, well, you're not giving them green cards. Uh, we're actually using pre-existing law, something that's the precedent's been set for. So this isn't extensive. We're not providing a pathway to citizenship. It builds on this existing law, parole. We're not creating a new one. So here's where I think this goes. Here's where I think this goes. Joe Biden, in announcing this $450,000 insane, unpopular payment. Well, it's going to look like a compromise. When When the Democrats try to put this parole in this reconciliation bill, if it gets approved, they're going to say, look, Biden's going to say, look, I am compromising here. Um, We're willing not to give these $450,000 to these immigrants. Instead, we'll do this in the bill. We're just going to, to give them parole instead of paying them this money. What a compromise. I'm saving the American taxpayers money, and this looks like they're settling. It's a way to, to soften what's coming, right? It's a way to make it look like what they're going to do with parole And the way they're going to frame this is not a pathway to citizenship as a compromise. But let me be clear. Parole is a pathway to citizenship. It's not immediate, but it changes their status to legal. And then they can eventually apply for a green card, which was the goal anyway. So it's just a workaround here to make these people citizens in the country. And I think this is a bargaining chip. I think this is a bargaining chip. That's what I think it comes down to. Um, we've got, you know, they're, they're up to 7.1. I, I, it might be higher than that, to be honest. Might be, might be higher than that. Uh, it, it would, it, it would, I mean, look, even if we just use this number, which I, is definitely low, it's definitely low. 7.1 million undocumented, undocumented immigrants, illegals would qualify. Um, and so this is what they're doing. You know, they're hoping that this can pass uh parliamentary muster. And then they're hoping that they can make it look like they're making a compromise with their own bill to call out. It, it looks like a concession, right? These radical kooks can look at this and say they can decry what Joe Biden's proposing, look like they're moderates, and then make this radical proposal to basically use this existing immigration parole uh, measure to give them a pathway to citizenship anyway through the back door, but they'll look like they'll look like they're moderating. It protects everyone. It looks like they're not as crazy as they are. And I think that, folks, I, I, I am convinced because nothing happens accidentally. I mean, it makes no sense that today, amidst everything going on, that this story drops today. And I know these Democrats want to get a pathway to citizenship in this reconciliation bill. That's at the heart of what these these radical kooks, these Marxists, have stated. They're on the record wanting it. And they're mad they've been shut down twice by the parliamentarian. 
And so I think this is a tactical maneuver. A tactical maneuver to still get what they want by, by, by putting attention on something that's so insane that this looks like, like nothing. All right, this is Drew Allen. I'll be right back. In just a minute, I want to address a story that I, I'm not seeing anybody else talk about, but I think, frankly, it's, it's significant about CNN, who was out there, of course, uh, attacking Joe Rogan for taking Ivermectin, which treated his symptoms when he had COVID and he got better in two days. And now we know, of course, that over 200 members of Congress allegedly have also been uh, prescribed and taken Ivermectin as well. But CNN and the, the propagandist media time and time again have shot down all of these life-saving treatments for COVID, hydroxychloroquine and zinc, uh, ivermectin, all of these cheap drugs. But now they found a drug that they support based on a study out of Brazil, a, uh, a, 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 a drug that treats depression. But anyway, before I get into that, you know, I, I just want to make a commentary, a little bit of commentary here. Let, let, I want to do a rapid fire segment because I want to focus on a couple important things. I just spent half an hour talking about what I think the most important story of the day was, but I want to make sure you're, you're, you're informed about some other things happening out there too. Uh, um, Joe Biden, the most popular president in the United States in our history, the most brilliant man ever to walk the earth, who is just mesmerizing the Democrats, according to Pelosi, with his mastery of uh, every word in this 2,000-page uh, bill, Build Back Better plan. You know, I mean, he can recite it like Shakespeare, apparently. Well, here he was uh, recently uh, uh, talking about electric cars. Here's the quote. Are you ready for this? When you buy an electric vehicle, you can go across America on a single tank of gas. Figuratively speaking, it's not gas. You you plug it in. <laughs> I mean, this guy, this guy should be impeached on the basis that he's proven that intellectually he's so incompetent and so incapable uh, of thinking uh, that he is dangerous to America. You know, about this Build Back Better plan, he said it will not add to the deficit at all. It will actually reduce the deficit. Have you ever heard such crackpots speak? I mean, look, the Democrat Party has long been filled with crackpots, but I mean, this is just setting a new bar. Uh, I mean, GDP has fallen to 2%. I mean, this is worse than even under Obama. And, you know, I have an article out you can read it today at AM Greatness, and I, I say that this is Obama's third term. And I've talked about that. You've heard me talk about it in the last few episodes, um, not just in terms of those individuals in the Biden administration who are also in the Obama administration, they're just carryovers, but the policies as well. The policies as well. I mean, it was it was Barack Obama, by the way, I think it was in... Uh, 2016, just before uh, he finished his second term, where he wrote a letter to the school districts telling them uh, to, to endorse, embrace, and establish transgender policies like we're seeing in Loudoun County. It was Obama who was flying immigrants into the interior of this nation using taxpayer dollars on charter flights. We're seeing the same thing happen today. This is just you know, Obama's third term. I really mean it. And you can, you know, read, read about it in the article if you want to. But um, I, I ran across something interesting too. I saw that Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks. So he, he, uh, he apparently, he was uh, nearby and a couple, a, a lesbian couple got married on a beach in Southern California. And Tom Hanks walked up to this couple and he told them he'd been watching their wedding and thought it was beautiful. And he asked them if he could take a photo with them. What type of person does that? One, the arrogance on display, right? I'm Tom Hanks. Look at me. I want to take a photo with you so you can capture this and impress your friends with me being here. What kind of arrogant person 
who thinks so much of himself engages in that type of behavior. He just walks up assuming, hey, I saw your wedding. I thought you might like a photo with me. I'm Tom Hanks. I mean, he just shows what a what type of person he really is. But, you know, at the end of the day, what happens? He takes this photo with a lesbian couple. Why? Would he have done it if they were a straight couple? Probably not. He did it because it's popular uh, in his Hollywood circles and in the uh, new social reengineering that's taken place in America. And so, of course, it goes viral. Here's Tom Hanks. Oh, look at him, this nice guy, taking a picture with the two lesbians. He supports gay marriage. I mean... I, I just have really had it with these elites in this country, including Tom Hanks and those people in Hollywood who think so highly of themselves, who know nothing. I mean, these are people, you got Alec Baldwin. I haven't talked about this story. Frankly, it's not that important in terms of, I don't know. It just doesn't capture my imagination. I mean, look, I don't like Alec Baldwin. He's a jerk off. He's mentally unstable. We know this. We've, we've seen evidence of this time and time again from him. But, you know, he was on the set of his movie, Rust. You've heard this story. And he fatally shot uh, one woman and injured another. So he committed murder. And, look, I worked in Hollywood. Uh, I understand how this process works. You've got somebody who's the armorist. Uh, but long story short, one, there shouldn't be live bullets on set to begin with. I don't know why that would take place. That's, that's something wrong in itself. But, you know, two people should have checked that gun before it even got in Alec Baldwin's hands. And blanks don't kill people, all right? I mean, uh, they emit gas. It's loud, it pops, you could injure somebody, but you're not going to kill somebody with a blank. So it's a live round. But Alec Baldwin is already trying to escape any blame whatsoever. I think he tweeted out something uh, today. There was an article that was blaming the assistant director. We've heard a lot of of stories about this individual on set who's been previously fired, who's incompetent, who has no business being on set. And that may very well be true. But at the end of the day, Alec Baldwin did pull the trigger. I'm not trying to be controversial here, but as somebody who is a gun owner, as somebody who has a lot of experience with firearms, you know, if you have any training whatsoever, even if it's just your dad teaching you, you understand that uh, the amount of responsibility that you take when you aim a firearm at anyone. And from my understanding, it wasn't even uh, live. I mean, they were rehearsing. So I don't know why he would pull the trigger to begin with. But look, just as someone who's responsible and understands guns, I am the last person to touch that gun. And I'm the last person that's going to check it. I'm going to look in that gun as well. So, I don't know what happened, but it bothers me that there's no no sense of accountability for him either. Um, but anyway, here we go. That doesn't really matter. Let's get into this, this story uh, that I started off with here. All right, so, so, so I, I am referring to a CNN article. And here's the headline. Cheap generic antidepressant may reduce severe COVID-19 disease. Study finds. Now, I don't know why they would even publish this story because it's CNN's position, has been, and it's been the position of this entire Democrat party and, frankly, too many conservatives and Republicans who think that the vaccine is the only way forward. It's all about getting vaccinated. Fauci, everyone you hear from, it's all vaccine or nothing. Screw treatments. You know, in Florida, when Governor DeSantis was... was uh, you know, they, 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 were, they were using those uh, monoclonal antibody treatments that were saving lives. What did Joe Biden do? He tried to shut it down. So life-saving treatments haven't been encouraged all along. It's been all focused on the vaccine. But here we have CNN all of a sudden embracing uh, some kind of uh, treatment that's not the vaccine. So this antidepressant they're talking about, uh, it is called... Uh, fluvoxamine, fluvox for short. It's a generic drug. And I guess they did a study in Brazil. Uh, they did a trial of about 1500 patients and it showed that 
Those who took the drug, fluvoxamine, well, they were less likely to progress to severe disease and to require hospitalization. Well, that's also, by the way, why you get the vaccine. So I don't know why they're still pushing the vaccine if you can take fluvoxamine and have the same end result. Because if you get the vaccine, you can get COVID and pass and transmit COVID. And we've been told long, you know, forever now, well, in addition to getting the vaccine to protect other people, even though now that's not true because you can still infect them, well, it's about, you know, protecting yourself and reducing the chances of hospitalization. But now they're saying, well, there's a drug that also does the same thing. Now, Luvox is what this uh, drug is sold under the name of. Um, I'm not going to get into all the medical stuff. It's unimportant and boring. But this Fluvox, it has severe side effects. Severe side effects. In fact, Fluvox, some of the side effects are suicidal thoughts, uh, irrationality, and a brain fog where you're just confused. You're not quite with it. These are some of the common side effects of this drug. And so it's interesting to me that CNN is suddenly, suddenly decide they found a drug they can get behind and write something nice about and endorse. When they decried hydroxychloroquine and zinc, which later were proven to be effective, when they decried ivermectin, which Congress individuals and Joe Rogan took, and it was effective for their own treatment, but they said that was horse to wormer and got on this whole spin campaign of misinformation to tell people that ivermectin was just a horse to wormer, even though doctors were prescribing the human version to humans because it was effective, according to doctors. And so it's, of course, interesting to me that the one they get behind is something with side effects that you don't see in those other treatments, side effects that, to me, the risk is greater than the reward. And so it's no surprise to me that CNN would support finally a drug that would cause suicidal thoughts, for example. Is anyone else surprised that this is the drug that CNN would start supporting? It is absolutely, absolutely outrageous to me. And I, yet I don't understand how Democrats can continue to support and look to these, these organizations for their news when they're caught lying time and time again. But, you know, the Democrats, I, I, I just, here's another story just to kind of portray what I was going to say in my own words. So we've got parents that are being labeled domestic terrorists by Merrick Garland. And, you know, the school board who sent that letter in colluding, when they colluded with the administration to label parents domestic terrorists who spoke out against critical race theory and transgender policies. Well, the school board has since apologized, but Merrick Garland is still standing behind, uh, you know, the, 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 well, his order, essentially, to investigate and target these parents using the FBI, for example, to label them domestic terrorists. He won't back down. But the premise of that is that if you use bad language, if you shout at a school board member, well, you're a dangerous domestic terrorist. But we've got video now of a California school board president caught saying, F you, he didn't say F you, he used the same language as F Joe Biden, F you to a parent. So where is Merrick Garland on this? Here is a California school board president who by the standards of the Biden administration of Merrick Garland and the National School Board Association meets the very loose standard of a domestic terrorist. But will this California school board president lose his job? Eh, doubtful. Will he be investigated as a domestic terrorist? Mm, doubtful. Will Merrick Garland have the FBI show up at this school board president's door saying, hey, you said F you to a parent. You got to go to jail. We got to investigate you because those are the clear signs of a domestic terrorist. But our, our nation is an absolute free fall and it starts, its origins begin in the schools. A, a Florida school board member, by the way, she took her elementary school students on a field trip 
Do you know where? The zoo? No, not the zoo. Pete'd be upset about that. Uh, did they take them to uh, a museum? No, 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 no. That would that would be abnormal. She took them to a gay bar, and she said she's so honored. That's right. An elementary school student, well, a group of elementary school students went on a field trip with a Florida school board member to a gay bar. These people are so sick and perverted. You wouldn't take them to a straight bar. You wouldn't take them to a bar anyway. They're elementary school students. This is, I mean, what these what these deranged individuals are doing to our children, it's unforgivable. And it is, uh, it's vile. It's evil. And that's really what we're up against. This is a fight of good versus evil. It really is. And the double standard in this country is absolutely, I guess it's not shocking anymore. But since we're in the rapid fire segment here, just informing you about all the things happening in this country. So you know more than your Democrat neighbor who has no idea what's going on because their head is in the sand and they're just ignoring that the country's in flames because they're so, well, married to the the religion, the cult that is the Democrat Party. So, uh, you know, a, a former Parks and Recreation actor, I don't know who it was, I didn't watch the show, but, um, you know, a while back in New York, I, I'm pretty sure it was New York, uh, a George Floyd statue was vandalized, spray-painted is basically what it amounted to, and so uh, this guy's been charged with vandalizing a George Floyd statue, but it's okay if you tear down, spray-paint, and vandalize Statues of Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Thomas Jefferson or any of the founding fathers, that's okay. You get a free pass. But if you dare do the same to George Floyd, well, you're going to be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. These are our new idols. George Floyd, a drug addict and a criminal who kicks his pregnant girlfriend. These are the new idols we have to worship. What else do I have here as we wrap up today? You know, DeSantis really is uh, the greatest governor of this nation. He gave a speech the other day, and I love this because it says it all. He said, we've gone from 15 days to slow the spread to three jabs or lose your job somehow. That's the truth. I wrote about this, gosh, almost a year ago in my book, Uncommon Sense. I'm not hawking my book. But I, I wrote about this in a fever. In this book, I'm telling you, I wrote it because, you know, I had Democrat friends my whole life who abandoned me, rejected me, condemned me after the 2020 election because I voted for Trump. And they just suddenly couldn't deal with that. That was just a bridge too far for them. And so I wrote this book trying to get through using analogy, some some metaphor, and common sense uh, to break through to people, to get them to wake up and see what's going on, how outrageous and insane we, we've, we've become as a country, and I, frankly, how insane they have become. But, you know, it was 15 days to slow the spread, and then that became a year of lockdowns, and then now we're at, what, three jabs where you lose your job somehow. This is so insane, and, and it's been admitted by plenty of politicians that the goal of this was to create two classes of citizens. And this is, by the way, you know, in China, they have their social credit system where you're rewarded for obedience to the government, what they tell you to do, and that flows into what you can do and what, you're, what you can qualify uh, to do as a job for employment, how much money you make. So the more obedient you are to the government and their demands, well, you get, you, you know, you're ranked. You get an 80 and you can be a janitor. You get a 90 and you can be a manager. You know, that's how it works. A hundred and I don't know, you can probably go uh, clean uh, Xi Jinping's uh, boots and lick them. But that's what this, this, this passport system, everything's about. It really is America's version of what they have in China. Now, everything's still incremental. We're moving towards that, but this is the first step. 
and it's a social credit system. It's about uh, forcing Americans to change the way they view their relationship to the government, of being subservient, giving up any of their unalienable rights because they're so desperate and so fearful of the government, and the government has such an influence over your life now that you know your rights, unalienable rights, are dependent upon your obedience to the government. So it starts with a vaccine passport. Hey, you got the jab, and so well you can you can go dine indoors. You got the jab, so you can get on a plane. You got the jab, so you can have a job. But now we have a booster shot. If you don't get the booster shot, well, you can't go in the restaurant. If you don't get the booster shot, you can't fly in this country. And and speaking of this this outrageous push that continues to have every American vaccinated, including our children, 60,000 migrants are on their way. 60,000 new migrant illegal immigrants, I should say, are on their way to invade this country. And why are they not being subjected to uh, getting the jab as a basis for illegal entry? Doesn't that also say it all? I mean, if, if, if illegal immigrants were required to get the jab, the vaccine, as a... Uh, requirement, a prerequisite to coming into this country illegally? Well, Democrats would be outraged. How can you do this to the illegals? How can you subject them to this? You're, you're violating their rights. But when it comes to firefighters, police officers, and American citizens, well, you know, they, 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 they celebrate the same thing. Yeah, Americans have to get the jab to have a job. Yeah, it's just. They celebrate it as justice, as righteousness, as moral. But if you did the same thing to illegals, they'd be outraged. But anyway, but that's where we are. But I just want to sum up again. Look, look, we're going to see where this goes, and I'm going to track it. You stay with me here uh, in the coming weeks. But you're going to see, I think, this $450,000 outrageous radical payment used as a bargaining chip to make the parole measure they're trying to get put in the reconciliation bill to change the status of illegals to legal in this country, you're going to see it as a way to say, look how radical that is. In comparison, this is not radical at all. And that's where this leads, I think. Uh, I think I'm going to be right on this. And I was going to end with this, by the way, too. You know, uh, you can contact me at email at drewthomasallen.com. And uh, you can subscribe to my Substack. That's the best place. Just drewallen.substack.com if you want to stay abreast of things. But anyway, this is Drew Allen. Uh, This hour, it's flown by. Thanks for being with me. God bless you. And until next time.